Hello and thank you for listening to 60 Minutes with. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is the remastered interview with Stuart Chapin, originally released for 80s Picture House on, have a guess at the date. Let's play guess the date again, oh, Tom. Oh, wow. this was. <laughs> I shall give you a clue. This was in the early days of 80s Picture House. It was episode 37. Uh, but even though it was only episode 37, it was already our fifth interview show. Okay, I'm going to say it's 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, March 2015. It was the 5th of May 2013. Oh, well, fuck the hell. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. 2013. Yeah. yeah, that was the early days. God, the year Very after. Very early days. Wow. Well, I didn't even realise we were that. In, we got under shotgun the year after we started. Exactly. It's crazy, I isn't it? I thought it was a couple of years at least later. We were soon into shotgun, mate, that we were. We sniffed it out. <laughs> we did, like two highly trained sniffer dogs searching for the, the best films. <laughs> uh, I sound so nervous on this at the beginning, mate. It's incredible. Well, uh, it's an immediate cinematic hero. Well, this is it, yeah, I think. And I, we've said before, haven't we? You know, we were so lucky, the people that we talked to. And um, I think this one with, with Stuart, though, because... Because we we fell in love with the film so quickly, and then we fell in love with him and Vanessa and the whole family, didn't we? And, you know, and they mm. became friends, and you know, and, and Vanessa is still friends, and it was such a treat to to have a chat with him and um, spend some time with him. And yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and there's always, of course, this you know, this is from 2013. Uh, the sound quality. Of course, it was 2013. That's when I shaved the beard off, isn't it? So of course, it was. Just a bit more thought into it. Yeah. The charity beard shaving. Yeah. Uh, it does sound a little bit different. We had different uh, recording equipment then, so it does sound a little bit different, of course. Um, but it worse. was worse. <laughs> yeah, I could have just said it sounds Code good, for but... worse. <laughs> that was a polite way of putting it. Uh, yeah, but you were on point with that, Tom. It does sound a bit worse. <laughs> uh, but yeah... One thing I have found as well, I was doing a little bit of digging around, just sort of jogging my memory with some things. And um, it was great because, you know, we've recently had Stuart Chapin Day um, that we talked about in the previous episode. And with Stuart doing the video for Stuart Chapin Day, the first Stuart yeah. Chapin Day was June the 7th, uh, 2014. And he did the video with the snake on his head. Uh, which is like amazing, and that's that's the video that is on the website for the previous episode, the June decade of Decadent show. The yes. video that I'm going to put on the website for this show, the interview with him, and I really do. Uh, I almost said insist. Then that would sound a bit bossy, wouldn't it? I insist that you do this. Mm. Uh, I really do recommend that uh, you take thirty minutes when you you know you're not going to be disturbed for thirty minutes. Pour yourself a drink of whatever you want, um, be that tea, coffee, or something a little bit stronger. And watch this video with Stuart. Uh, the title of it is Hope Springs Eternal, and it's a talk that he did. Uh, now, I'm not religious whatsoever. He does this talk in a church. Um, and it's it, it does it skirts around religion and so on. But the main thrust of it is about people living their life. I mean, Stuart knew at this time he was going to die of the cancer that he'd got. And the, the main talk is about living your life and not hoping for things to happen or wishing to happen. Go and do them. Go and make them happen. Every time I watch this, mate, I just fill up. It's, it's so emotional. Um, 
and but it's so it leaves you when you've finished watching it feeling so good and wanting just right i'm going to make the most of every day that i've got and remember when you're watching it Stuart's not with us anymore you know it's he would have been 60 this year uh, and he's and he's not here and you see him here and i still watch it and it reminds me and we all have bad days make the most of every day but it's a it's a brilliant 30 minutes isn't it tom oh yeah 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 so i would encourage everybody to go and watch that but before that of course you've got our our chat with Stuart. <laughs> so yeah. uh yeah shall we as we normally do bugger off out of the way mate and let them have a listen to to nervous me especially having uh, I think you were far more professional than me, Tom. Yeah, you were, you were... <laughs> accidentally giving him shit about what he was wearing in the film and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, but yeah, this is this is definitely one of uh, one of the favourite of the interviews that we did with Eighties Picture House. So uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, sit back, relax, and uh, have a listen to me and Tom chat with Stuart Chapin. Hi, I'm Stuart Chapin, and you're listening to the Eighties Picture House. Make sure that you've got a full beer and an empty bladder because you will pee yourself laughing. Welcome to episode 37 of the 80s Picture House and the fifth of our In Conversation With series. I'm Dave, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Tom. Hello there. And if you would have heard our last episode, which if you haven't, I thoroughly encourage you that you do, um, our In Conversation guest is none other than one of our new cinematic heroes, Ian Shotgun Jones. It is the great Mr. Stuart Chapin. Hello, Stuart. Hello. It's it's so good to have you on the show. Um, you have no idea how excited me and Tom are about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I have no I have no idea what trauma has led you to actually get excited. About this. <laughs> <laughs> um, as always, can you tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself, sort of your early years, and take us up to. Um, I tell you what, take us up to your first IMDb credit, the 1988's Death Collector. Oh, that thing. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, my folks were professional puppeteers, and they yo-yoed the, um, the carnival circuit between New Jersey and Florida, and they were very good. They did a per command performance for the Kennedy White House, and uh, when the act broke up, uh, the debris settled in Florida, and I went to school in uh, Florida and then to NYU where I uh, majored in dramatic writing. And there I met a friend named uh, John McLaughlin, who is uh, most recently he wrote uh, Parker and Hitchcock and uh, Black Swan. But one of his early scripts was Death Collector. Now, my expertise uh, was also uh, stage combat. I knew how to do sword fighting, uh, renaissance fairs and all sorts of things like that. But uh, that's where I... Uh, my small claim to fame as a stuntman was from uh, teaching people how to work with especially broadswords. Oh, okay. And uh, Death Collector needed a stunt coordinator, and they flew me out to Connecticut, and uh, it was a very cheap little production, uh, exquisitely bad, 
Uh, you, you guys have got to look it up. Um, the lead was the son of a tap dancer from the 30s who had suddenly become born again and asked not to kill anybody. Could he just lock them up in closets? <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out terribly well. And uh, uh, I got a lot of free Subway sandwiches out of that production because that's all that the crew got that we, the subway <laughs> became one of our sponsors i'll never eat subway again it's awful <laughs> and uh death collector i played about two or three different roles and 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 none of them memorable and it was it was just a dreadful thing i moved to california because one of my scripts uh got some agents and some attention and uh i insulted uh some a- executives at uh, universal studios over this <laughs> <laughs> I don't schmooze well. Uh, if there's people that I like, I can talk to them all day. But if they're, they're goons in power, I don't do as well. And I wasn't out to be an actor, as you can tell. <laughs> and uh, a girlfriend who was uh, the first Red Sonia over at Universal Studios uh, dared me to act. I had done a lot of acting in, in college. And uh, I went out for the first audition, and uh, it was at Pepin Murphy Studios, uh, PM Entertainment, which was just this office block in Sun Valley. And uh, they gave me a script for a J. Jonah Jameson type, and I just tore into it, <laughs> chomped my imaginary stogie. And they came back and they said, okay, we, 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 we cast that part differently, but we want you for Ian Shotgun Jones. And I said, I didn't even see that in the sides or the script, but sure, as long as it's not, you know, third speaker, spear carrier on the left. And they said, no, 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 it's a good part. <laughs> uh, I came back and got the script and, huh, it's the lead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's how I got introduced to being the shotgun. Um uh, you're the third group that has actually contacted me over the years about <clears throat> the shotgun appreciation. You're, uh, when it first came out, somebody actually uh, turned around on an elevator in mid-Wilshire and looked at me and said, because I was essentially wearing the same costume, it was my clothes, <laughs> you're the shotgun! <laughs> <laughs> you last night you were good you kill them good you should do that more <laughs> that was my one and only contact with my public i understand we were very good in in belize uh or someplace like that uh it did well in south american trade for a short time and they made their money back and that's really all pep and murphy was out to do um pep and murphy did as you know Dozens of these films all very fast, and uh, they would make five or six at a time. Each film took 10 days to shoot, and the budget was no more than Uh, (sighs) $100,000. That's that's a hell of a quick turnaround, isn't it? 10 days. Oh, yeah. The the, the watchword on the the production was good for picture, good for sound, moving on. (laughs) There were no second takes. I was um, especially extra on Hook, and I saw, personally, Dustin Hoffman take 167 takes for one damn line, a dialogue line. 
I was climbing up and down the rigging, and there he was. You, sir, you are shot one more, sir. <laughs> Sixty-seven takes. Oh, we wow. never got that. We got we got one take only. Um, I think occasionally on special occasions we would have two takes, but that was it. <laughs> and uh, thus began Shotgun, and thus ended Shotgun. And uh, the girlfriend broke up with me in the middle of the production. And, and when I was despondent about it, she said, "Are you still doing that? I'm sorry." <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> so in the middle of the show, <clears throat> I have to go home from a, 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 a small hotel that smells like pee after breaking up with uh, my girlfriend or her breaking up with me. And I have to be in my small apartment in a courtyard, which was populated by actors or actresses who were loud and vocal in their attentions to their boyfriends. <laughs> and on my small bed were all the weaponry that I had to take home with me every night. And they were shotguns and guns. <laughs> Swell. <laughs> um, oh, we've got so many questions about, definitely about shotgun to start with. I mean, Tom, do you want to ask uh, Stuart one of the questions you got? Uh, yeah, I suppose if we're on the subject of... Um... You're saying you have to bring all the shotguns back with you. Did you, well, you've, your costumes were your own. Did you keep any of the props or costumes from it? Like the infamous uh, shotgun? No, no, no. The shotgun's a real gun, and that was not mine to keep, and I don't keep guns. And, uh, I've got swords. That was that was my thing. About the film in general, I, I, I sort of feel like it, uh, I regard it now as the way uh, I think of myself as somewhat like Edward de Vere, the um, Earl of Oxford, the guy who keeps the first and silliest uh, guy to be suggested as who wrote Shakespeare. Uh, there's a story that he uh, presented himself to Queen Elizabeth and bowed low, and as he bowed, he let out a prodigious fart, the kind that... <laughs> <laughs> shook the walls of the castle and they had to scrub them for years and the guy was so mortified he just took to traveling for years and avoided uh, any contact with the court he returned bowed low again more carefully and said my majesty I apologize for my long absence and she forgave him and said we have quite forgot the fart which is which is sort of like shotgun. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the fart we claim to have forgotten, but it's there. <laughs> so you're asking, did I keep any mementos? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> Other than the perfume of the thing itself. Uh, <laughs> There's a DVD still in plastic over, over there, cellophane. Uh, my kids have only expressed a middling interest in it. They, they want to know, but uh, I keep saying they're too young, and I'll still say it till they're 42. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think there's a couple of posters and a, a, a longer version of the trailer downstairs somewhere. That's it. That's what I've got from it. <laughs> Uh, what was the, what was the story behind the, we got the woman on the cover of the the DVD then and she's obviously not in the film. Oh, no 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 they they were they they had made the film for ten days and they paid me a hundred dollars a day that was that was it that, that's what you got and uh, 
at the end they said, would you come back for free to do the, the photo shoot for the cover? And uh, sure, why not? And I came back into the studio, and there's this immense blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and she's changing into and out of all sorts of provocative costumes and just standing up and leaning and all the rest. Of it. And uh, they introduced me. She's on the cover, too. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's all it was. Just a woman who walked in and wanted to be in the movies. So I have no idea who she is or what she did or why she was there. And uh, it's just, you know, my two eyes and her two boobs, and that's all you see on <laughs> <in> the shot. <laughs> that's cover art of the 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you have I, – I've, I've looked at your, uh, your, your site, and I've listened to your, uh, your podcast, and I listened to the last one. And uh, like you, I could pee myself laughing if I didn't know that I was in the movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, you're quite right. You have, you have plumbed the depths, and I think that by looking for the mother load, uh, the, the nadir of, of 80s entertainment, you've hit the mother load with shotgun. <laughs> oh, that's it. This is so entertaining, though. And we've watched it. Yes. It's like countless times that we've watched it now because we just love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> So bad it's bad. Yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you um, help us with the Fletcher Rivington thing then? The guy that plays F Fletcher Rivington? No freaking clue. The thing is, you <laughs> won't find him because he's probably SAG. Most of the actors there were uh, union. I was not. Um, most of the actors were, were union, and they were either changing their names or hiding their identities because they wanted that, that big they were going for the big bucks of $100 a day if they were a lead. And, uh, and that guy was smart enough to not only change his name, just to hide it, obliterate it immediately. He probably was a working actor. Working is a relative term. Uh, and I understand that I was up for either shotgun or that part. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. And when I, uh, when I read the script, to be honest with you, I was just relieved that it wasn't as bad <laughs> on paper as it could have been. There were, a, there were a lot of really bad scripts out there that just didn't get made or started to get made. And, you know, this one was at least the workmanlike Roger Corman-esque epic. You know, they, the, why they haven't made it into a West End musical or an Edinburgh fringe thing, I don't know. <laughs> Please, God, why did I say that? <laughs> we'll, we'll get started on that completely. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the, the music of Shotgun, you, you put it into your Hall of Fame uh, last time. The, the music was done by a fellow named Javierio or something like that. He's the guy in the movie that I shoot in the butt. Ah, oh, right. he's the guy who did the music. That was his claim to fame. And uh, the, uh, the when I go up to him and after I've shot him in the butt, there was one line that was just so trite-ridden that even I couldn't bring myself to say it. And when they rolled camera up, that's the one and only ad lib I did in the film, where I say, "Shut up!" Uh, you know, if I want a conversation, I would have shot Dick Cavett. <laughs> oh, that's the ad lib line. Yes, and they. Um, they said, stop, good for picture, good for sound. What did you say again? <laughs> and Addison Randall said, oh, well, just tell me in future if you're going to do something like that. All right. It was his vision. And, and it's interesting because 
when Joseph Murphy did not like me at all. Uh, and he came up to me and said, this is not you. This is not good. You should not be in movies, this movie, any movie, uh, because you see this Ian. Ian is named for, you should be short and dark hair and swarthy like you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should go see it. This is what Hero looks like. Okay. Addison Randall was tall-ish, blonde-ish, gone to seed. <laughs> so he picked somebody who looked like him. <laughs> um, I, I do think that the, the comments about how uh, out of shape I am were a little uh, cruel <laughs> and misinformed. I mean, you can go after the acting and everything, but you know, you only get one take, and those are the lines that you are supposed to say. Mm. And you get no rehearsal, zero rehearsal. We met on the set, everybody. Wow. Um, you know, the first day of shooting, you're at the, the police station way out in the boonies, and that's it. You know, let's do the whole thing. And, and you're going through uh, 20 pages of script a day. Um, you know, you, you change your shirt in the car and read the scene again to get the lines. <laughs> you just, oh, okay. <laughs> Hershey Spurts, uh, the tough situation. Yes, okay, got it. <laughs> you go in front of the camera, say it once, and good for picture, good for sound, moving on. <laughs> How long were the days that you were shooting? Was it like 12-hour days? Was it a long... Oh, yeah, yeah, they were. Um, they were They were at least 12-hour days, but they were just, they were just, you know, bang, 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 knock out the, the, the different uh, shots. They had a shot list, and at least it sort of worked. Um... Uh, in terms of making a semi-coherent story. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, Riff Huntington's father is the guy at the bar, the old fellow who uh, uh, passes on some vital information. He just came along to watch his son. He just, here, say these lines. Sure, all right. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and they loved Riff. They, they thought that he was going to be the next big thing, uh, or at least a better alternative to me. So... They, they kept trying to fight. Give us more scenes for this riff, okay? Give us more scenes. And I, I guess that play paid off for him. He became the uh, spokesman for Kentucky Fried Chicken for a while. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Here in Lake Edna, we like our chicken. And that was what he was doing for about two years. <laughs> okay. So you think you said about the Joseph Mary wasn't too keen on you in the part for Ian Jones. Do you, think, do you think that is why then you didn't get asked to do more PM films? Oh, I never, I never got, you have to actually ask to get in. And I didn't bother after that. Uh -huh. uh, I, I, you know, the, the, the times I was involved in movies in Hollywood were very silly and spotty affairs. And I had a, I had a blast doing them. I, you know, don't get me wrong. I had, generally good fun doing shotgun uh but I, I i recognized it for what it was and when we uh when there was the screening for my friends i uh i had the film again it was in cellophane when they all came over and they remarked on that and said how brave i was and i said really there's nothing i can do to change it so <laughs> we might as well watch it get the full effect uh, we didn't get the full effect because my friends were too polite to laugh in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've already had feedback from some listeners who have listened to the last episode and they've watched it. 
Oh and, yeah, yeah. I know one guy who watched it, and he just put one word. He just put epic. That was, that was his <laughs> one word review was epic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thanks to Robbie for that one. That was a, a fine review. Yeah, um, should have been. There, there was um, the only contribution that's not in the film is that uh, when I got the script and I saw the thing and it's down in Mexico, uh, I said, you look, the, the only thing I can bring to the table, I should not be cast as a cop. This is a lethal weapon ripoff. It's actually a, a Mel Gibson, you know, trying to cash in on Mel Gibson in the 80s. We start out with lethal weapon and we end up with Mad Max. And uh, <laughs> I get... <laughs> I get to be smelly melly in both parts, and I thought that the only thing I could bring to the table that would make the film exciting was um, blade work. And uh, I got a friend, uh, Jim Peary, who, to uh, do a choreographed machete fight with me. And uh, we worked up the fight and you know, dulled the blades and, and made it go really fast, and I you know, did the, the trick of putting uh, – Flint gluing, super gluing flint on the edges of the blades, so they hit huge sparks when they had, uh, clashed. And we showed this fight to. Uh, it was supposed to be a fight between myself and uh, oh, what's his name, Blocker, Docker. Um, oh, Rocker, could, uh, Rocker, Rocker. Rocker. Yeah. And uh, Jim was uh, close enough to be a double for Rocker, and uh, we showed the fight to them, and. Uh, Mary uh, re- reacted and said, "No, my God, you look like you could kill each other." <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I do not. If you get hurt, we cannot do this movie. It's, you know, we got the schedule, and so we didn't do the fight. And uh, yet, Jim became uh, Rocker's stunt double because in the chase scene, uh, you guys never commented on this one. In the chase scene. <clears throat> I went and stretched out immediately when I knew we had to do a bunch of running. Yeah. Rocker didn't, and he lasted about 100 feet, and then he pulled something. <laughs> <laughs> and quickly, I called Jim, and Jim came over to the set. Jim's okay. Jim's uh, been a, a working actor for a long time. He's you know starred in a bunch of pilots that made it to a, a, a season on NBC kind of thing. Uh, he came over, and he's the stunt double. He's the guy I'm chasing. Who doesn't look really a lot like Rocker. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, he is the one who will jump over the fence when I have to lunge over it and go around. And I have to, wouldn't it make better sense if the hero jumps over the fence? No. Yeah. Just, uh, all right. You can't catch him. All right. Okay. <laughs> they provided me a stunt double. They had a stunt team. That's what they did. They didn't, they had a group of guys really ragtag, and they were responsible for all the stunts. And the leader of this group was this scraggly guy, about five foot six. <clears throat> and they made him up with a cheap blonde wig to look and put him in my trench coat. And wow. he looked like um, my 14-year-old son on Trick or Treat. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a big guy. How tall are you? I'm 6'4". And uh, the... They would let me under just my, you know, really, guys, this is not that dangerous. This is simple to do. They let me uh, do some of the stunts and uh, like running along with the car and then getting dashed into the uh, cardboard boxes. But they put the master on him. So if you look at it pretty closely, it looks like the perspective changes because the car becomes (laughs) 
suddenly vast when he's running alongside it, and then quite small when I'm more, you know, trying to <clears throat> climb in. And uh, this this little guy said, my 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 trademark is that I I every time I die, I flip the bird at the camera every time every time. That's my trademark. Look for that. I didn't look for it, but it's probably in there. He's, you know, that was that was a thing he concentrated on. You know, I'm hanging on the helicopter. I got to let lot let go on the, the launch pad, but watch for me. Fuck the bird. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> oh. The car that goes puh at the end of the the movie, the one that's supposed to, you know, hit a wall and there's an explosion, that's supposed to go uh, hit a ramp and flip over. And we all uh, said, you know, hit it. And the car went, tut, 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 boom, tut, 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 you know. Good for picture, good for sound. Moving on. Oh, wow. The gags you get are the gags you get. That's all it was. And and I remember being in the hallways of the police station the first day, and all these other actors, when somebody official walked up, it is a working police station, <clears throat> were so afraid that it was SAG coming to bust them all and take names. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know who Fletcher Rivington, the guy who played him, was. I, I did at the time, but he was one of the actors that acted. There wasn't any acting for him. Uh, it was uh, He was very high and mighty with everybody, and uh, he talked like that all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> 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 uh, what about the the sex the sex shop scene? It was that <laughs> <laughs> because Tom picked up on watching that that it's the we got the sex movies and then there's posters for regular films up on there. It was it was a regular video store and in and in those days you would have uh, the the sex videos behind the beaded curtain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, anybody could walk into them, of course, and uh, they just, I think, swap the boxes out and put them up front. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of the things that you picked up on, I did ask during the shoot. You're just like, really, we're keeping the kitty porn right at the front where it's the guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> the guy. <laughs> but I made the decision very early on. This was Addison's baby. This was his first movie, and uh, you know, I been a writer i was not going to interfere this is your vision i'm going for it i'll do what you tell me to do mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh the the only time i think that i embarrassed him and certainly embarrassed myself is the drunk scene because <laughs> although i drank a lot i basically talked the same way i do when i'm drinking or when i wasn't drinking back then and he said no be more drunk and that was the only <laughs> acting note i got on the entire <laughs> film just that. And I had no idea what he meant by that, but all right, there you go. <laughs> I guess I giggle. I don't know. And uh, that was just, that's that's hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, <Take. laughs> Tom, come on, you must have some questions for him. Oh, oh so many, so many. Um <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, I went to start this. Okay, we said about the music, the song itself. Obviously, that's the first thing you touched on, your theme tune. How did it feel to have your own theme tune? I was, I was gone from the time this, the, the, the 
first frame hit. I, I knew that this was going to be a hoot and a half. And, uh, at, you know, at this party that I had for my friends, I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, that was just groovy <laughs> in the Bruce Campbell sense. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, that is just, uh, the problem is it is a tune that will stick with you. For oh, it day. does. <laughs> it does. It stuck with me just from hearing you guys giggle about it. Uh, <laughs> you're the only ones to have actually transcribed the lyrics, so there were bits of the lyrics I just heard in your in your nice <laughs> your game and voices reading. <laughs> <It's not> <laughs> Um, yeah, these sound like really like geeky fanboy questions <laughs> as, I, as I look at my list, but uh, if they are, they are. There was a term that was used, and as you've listened to the last podcast, that we sort of... There has never been... I There must be 700 episodes of Law & Order. I have never heard anyone in any episode <laughs> or any cop use the term basher for any... <laughs> <laughs> That 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 is what I want for my text alert. We're looking for a basher. <laughs> uh, there's there's some definitely some pull away lines from that, and that would be one of them, I'm sure. Uh, I did go out with a bounty hunter once, uh, which was uh, interesting, and I, I cited that experience to get the movie. I don't know why, but it did. Uh, I was again living in a courtyard, and across from me was. Uh, the big fellow who lived, who was divine, you know, mm. the gentleman who was in all the John Waters movies. Yeah. I never knew who he was. There was a, um, he wore a t-shirt with the word smile on it and it was a big smile. And, uh, his brother, uh, was this scruffy guy who, uh, was a bounty hunter. And, uh, eventually he picked up on one of the wives of my neighbors and he, uh, struck up a conversation with me. He said, yeah, I, I need somebody to come with me tonight. Would you, you come along? It's a, um, I'm a skip tracer. <laughs> he actually used that term. <laughs> and I did some quick research and I found out that this is essentially the American version of the Wild West. You're, you know, if you've got, as long as you got the yellow slip from the bail bondsman, you're allowed as a citizen to engage in high-speed pursuits, to carry a gun with or without a permit. You're allowed to, you know, all these dangerous situations. And I said to him, uh, are you sure that this is safe? Oh, I've been doing this for 17 years. I've never, ever had any problems. Until that Tuesday night in Sun Valley. (laughs) (laughs) We're supposed to find a woman who had skipped on a $3,000 bail uh, for... Uh, cocaine possession and we uh, get to the door and I'm wearing the shotgun trench coat I hadn't thought of it that way but that's true I was wearing the trench coat (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) oh gosh this brings back memories and the guy says put your hand in your pocket like you've got a friend seriously (laughs) what a thing to say yeah, and, and well, you know, as long as he wasn't hoping that I was going to get himself happy or something, he <laughs> reaches out and he pulls out this hand cannon. And he bangs on the door with this huge effing pistol. Whoa. 
They open the door, and he kicks it open, and he marches in, and this guy turns into Darth Vader. You know, we only want the girl. And he's was storming up and down. He's walked into a meth lab, and there's uh, about eight guys standing around a table you know, or sitting around a table, cook, you know, making meth. And it's one of these small little houses at night, <clears throat> no doors, just drapes nailed to the walls. And one guy rushes out the back immediately. And this is not good. <laughs> the girl isn't there. And he's waving around this gun, and they're barking at him, saying, uh, who are you? Where's your badge? And he's telling them essentially to shut up. And one guy who is as tall as I am, very skinny, and with pinprick eyes, attacks him. And the guy bumps him off, throws him to me, and says, take him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, take him where? <laughs> and the guy rushes into me, and he, he attacks me, and he lunges into me, and we fall onto a console of the old, you know, the consoles with the television and this, the hi-fi, yeah. those huge furniture things. It falls apart, just like the movies. And uh, we're, you know, we fall onto the floor, and I stand up, and he stands up, and he picks up a piece of wood to use as a weapon with nails poking through. I have not been in a fight since the second grade. <laughs> and this guy is about to take a swing at me. And I had only complained uh, that I had had writer's block. <laughs> and this, is, this was his excuse to get me out of the house. But I had had a lot of training doing sort of stage combat. Stage combat. Yeah. The guy takes a swing at me, and I said, "Well, if if he were to do that in stage combat, I'd throw a, a um, you know a hip block and throw him over my shoulder, and then land him on the ground." And it went boom, boom. And I went, "Wow, that works!" <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> and I just sit on the guy, just stay calm. And uh, they're all impressed now because the uh, the assistant or the you know the other cop is as badass as the first. Until the guy I'm with says, "Hey, is that cured your writer's block?" <laughs> <laughs> they say, "Who the hell are you?" And, and then all of his friends come back with shovels. And, and axes. Seriously, there's this crowd of people comes up to the, with axes at the front door, but he's got a gun. And oh. we just, no phone, there's no way to call 911. I don't know who eventually did, but finally the cops come. And they look at his paperwork, they take away his gun, we have to go down to the station. I'm 20, what, 24 years old. I'm expecting I'm going to have to call my mom and explain that I got busted <laughs> for going on a drug, drug bust in Sun Valley. And the cops come around and they give him, in one hand they give him his gun, in the other hand they give him his bullets, and they said, don't put these together until you've crossed the city lines. That's it. Whoa, just that. Yeah, and he takes me out to a bar and he says, hey, so what do you think? You want to do it a lot? And I said, that was dangerous. He says, oh, shit, this happens all the time. Let me tell you about the crime. <laughs> he tells me about these hair-raising adventures. said, you lied to me. Of course I did. You know? <laughs> And how was your writer's block after that? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's gotten better recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the, the disco scene in Shotgun. 
<laughs> that was just that was just a, a quick shoot then as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was as you as you observed. Yes, the next day they're all wearing the same clothes. They they just a I think it was a church group or something that they just piled a bunch of <laughs> to a van, had them all show up at this. Uh, I don't know if it was down on its luck or or shut down. Most of the places that they brought us to were really rancid uh, <laughs> spots or out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, it turns out that that location, the desert location where I shoot the guy in the arse is the same place where we made uh, where they made Army of Darkness years later because was there's nothing there. It's just dirt. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm going to have to ask. I'm going to have to ask. The start of the film, your first appearance, the hat. Was it your hat then? The big yeah, wide hat. hat. That's it was my hat. It was a classic hat. Yeah, it was, a, it was a place called Banana Republic in those days that uh, came as close as they could do to replicating Indiana Jones stuff, and I didn't have the money for that. And I had no winter garb at all coming from Miami, Florida. So somebody found that, uh, as you call it, lady sweater. <laughs> 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 Which unfortunately was mine too, and I. Have... I'm so sorry, but that had me. Oh god! <laughs> More than yeah. anything else in a film that had me laughing. <laughs> no, the only yeah, the only thing that they actually uh, that the is strange. Murphy loved the sweater, uh, the, the lady sweater. What he didn't like was the yellow, uh, uh, the, the yellow sweater, because you know yellow people should not wear yellow clothes. <laughs> sure. I'm actually a redhead, which is where they 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 were hoping to, um, you know, pair me with my sister Katie Capel, and uh, she was rather intelligent about the thing because she looked at the the, the shooting schedule, and uh, you notice they like to get a lot of the girls. Now you you know the cheapest special effects are <clears throat> blood and breasts and. Uh, she was supposed to be naked for her scene with Rocker, uh, but she had already filmed earlier scenes, and they were good for picture, good for sound, moving on. And the night that we went to this stinky hotel, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the night after my girlfriend broke up with me, so I'm writing – it was it was Christmas time, so I'm writing Christmas letters in the urine-stained um, stairwell. It <laughs> 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 takes – Ah, <laughs> brings back memories. <laughs> Katie shows up with her two very small children, <laughs> ages two and three, and hoping that, can we get this over with quickly so I can take my kids home to put them to bed? So can we do all my scenes first? And Addison said, but, but you were supposed to... And I've got my uh, lingerie on underneath this, and she puts it on, and, or she takes it off the jacket, and there's her lingerie. She's ready to go and go away. But we need you naked. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. Oh, well, wow. that was the contract. You agreed to it. Uh-uh. <laughs> I can take my kids home now if you want. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> So poor Addison, he had a lot of problems with a lot of the people, because a lot of the people wanted to make their parts bigger, and uh, he had to listen to uh, them discourse on why they should be uh, more 
epic of this epic. <laughs> and I, I left him alone. He liked me because of that. I just, you know, I did what I was told. Oh, the only other acting note uh, I got from him was uh, when Katie's dead, we're out front of that same smelly hotel. Uh, and I'm supposed to whip around and stare at, you know, riff for saying something. She was your sister. I have no idea what the line was anymore. Addison's note to me was, give me the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <Okay>. <laughs> when, so. when was the first time that you actually saw the finished movie then after it? You know, that was it. You... At, at, at a party, I, you know, my friends came over. We brought water. That was the very first time. Yeah, I, I came once. I had to loop something, so I came and I saw the uh, editor who was tearing his hair out because he had to match. Uh, you know, the, the, you're walking down the hallway. We got a shot of the feet, and then we walk in the door, but they're walking at different paces, and I've only got two shots. I've got to cut them together, and mm -hmm. I. Why don't you just use the shot where he walks up into the door? Why do you have the shot of him with the feet? We've got to make time, which means that it has to be over a certain uh, amount of time for uh, distribution. It has to be a certain length. Otherwise, it's not going to you know, sell as a movie. So they had to use everything. Um, and uh, I saw that. That was the day that uh, the, they took the pictures of my eyeballs. I... I fix the line, whatever it was that, that they had bad sound on. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's all I saw of the movie. And then I came back and I got a copy of the poster and the, the, the uh, short little thing and, uh, and the movie itself. And two days later, there I am in a Wilshire uh, elevator with the, my one and only fan. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your plans then once you'd finished Shotgun that you got you wanted to carry on more with, with acting. I know you said you didn't really too keen I, I on it. No, no, no. I wasn't. It's not that I wasn't too keen. I wasn't too fussed. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, it, it was. It was fine, and it was fun. Uh, I auditioned a couple more things, but not not too many. Uh, most of the time, I would get pulled into projects, uh, in which I learned to be resigned about. You know, I was months on the set of Hook, uh, uh, doing the the the. You know, and there was a 27-page list of things for the specialty extras. Uh, you know, you must not talk to the stars. Don't make the stars eye contact. And you know, uh, <clears throat> in between takes, um, and uh, the, the the fellow who was coordinating the sword fighters uh, wanted very much to be in the big league, so he relegated me to teaching the Lost Boys, which was his mistake because the Lost Boys got to be on the film and they had to fight, and somebody had to teach them. So mm -hmm. I had working with all the kids, and I had to teach their parts to the stars. So inadvertently, I got to uh, be the main liaison with the, the stars. Now, Robin Williams was a really sweet guy, and he and I went toe-to-toe -to -toe once for two hours telling dirty jokes. And he, <laughs> he was great. Anytime you told a joke that he liked, he'd say bingo. That was, that was, I got three bingos. That is, that is my real claim to fame in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I may have been the first to tell him, you know, uh, heard about the guy with five penises, his, his condom fit like a glove, and he just, bingo! <laughs> 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 
but <laughs> was a drunk. He he decided that he was going to work out that green knot of unreality, and he was going to get in character. And the way he got in character's hook was to uh, uh, drink black velvet curtains. Is that what it's called? It's a combination of Guinness and champagne. <clears throat> black velvet. Black velvet. Okay. Yeah. And he. Uh, he drank that, and then he tried to cover it up by drinking this uh, French onion soup every morning that really everybody on the set from across the room could feel. And I flat out refused. You know, you know, uh, he's a star. I don't care who he is. You've got a drunk with a sword in his hand. He's not coming near me. Yeah. And did, did they take any notice of that? Um, his stuntman, you know, Winston on my behalf, but he was so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, thank you for saying that. Now you're going to get fired. I'm not going to get fired. I'm leaving. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> but I had fun. I played with the Bobos or whatever, the you know, the lemurs that they had in the back. You know, I made friends with the guys who were dealing with the animals. It was okay. Yeah. Um, Shotgun was only 10 days out of my life. And uh, it was just uh, an ad in the Hollywood Recycler or Rip Reporter, <laughs> whatever the, the ad was. And uh, my girlfriend found it. And uh, by the time I was done, I got a lead in the movie and no girlfriend. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like then all these years later getting people like us getting in touch with you and uh, wanting to talk it, to you and, and being so enthusiastic about this film? Well, it's mostly in England, oddly enough. There's, there's been uh, one set in the United States and then two in England, then yourselves. And I, I wonder if the Teletubbies have gone off the air because <laughs> I understand that the rave was to drink all night and then come home at 7 in the morning and watch the pretty colors of the Teletubbies and laugh at them. <laughs> And I, I, I guess that the Teletubbies must have gone off the air, so that's how you found Shotgun, because there's no <laughs> other excuse. Because I think it appeals to the same level of, of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Touches the same vein, as it were. That's what I was going to ask you, Dave. Where did you find Shotgun? Because you've, you've been sitting on it. You've been holding out on me. You've been sitting on it for eight months now, until you told me about it. I do, yeah. It was in, it was just in a video store, the usual ones that I go into, and it, it was there. I was drawn by the cover and by the story, the synopsis on the back, and then you know, as soon as I watched it, that was it. I just fell in love with it. <laughs> it was just one of those happy accidents. That it was fate that I was. Uh, I had to pick it up and buy it. You, you, you have to understand, Tom. That's not the sort of thing that you confess easily. It's like saying. <laughs> That's not a rash. It's actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand Dave's reticence. <laughs> it's the other week I was texting Dave. He was in one of those video stores where there was uh, several copies of Shotgun. And I, was like, oh, that, he, he, I was opening out the display. Email, please email me that photograph again because that, um, that is precious. I have to keep a copy of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. I made him do that. I was like, make it, spread it out a bit. <laughs> I even got the buy the guy that works in the shop. He bought uh, he bought a copy of it too. After I was telling him how good it was. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, 
we are spreading the word on the the gospel uh, yep. of shotgun. Mm-hmm. Let's see um, stories about shotgun. The um, night in Mexico, <laughs> where I invade the town, and the hours after they nix the machete fight because it's too dangerous, uh, I'm up on the truck behind this 50-millimeter uh, cannon, uh, machine gun, and you picked up on this in your last podcast that the gate to this town is held together by, <laughs> you called it a flimsy piece of wood. It was actually, they nailed together, you know, just a two-by-four so that the gate bashes something because the, they had taken the hinges off. What they had done is they nailed the two gates together very well. And so that the gates on the film, watch it again, that one scene, the gates rise up on the car and the damn wood doesn't come apart until the very last second. And those big heavy gates miss me by inches. <laughs> when it and the crew rushes to me right after that shot and just, are you all right? Are you unhurt? No, no, I'm all right. Just really? No, no machete fight. That's what we're going with. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any other sort of near misses during filming? <laughs> I think we had better near hits, you know. <laughs> uh, near misses. Not in terms of anything physical especially there wasn't they didn't allow us to really do too much hmm. uh, because we, we you know the whole thing the conversation that we had you know with uh, rivington well how are we doing the thing when it kicks me in the balls <laughs> <laughs> could have been my dinner with rivington and got in a much smaller budget because you could have him read a paragraph and that would be the whole movie um <laughs> And that really bothered Randall, uh, Addison Randall, because he didn't know. And I just said, well, where's the shot? It's, a, you know, you've got a <clears throat> two, tight two shot on the top of our heads. All I have to do is flinch, and it looks like I kicked him. Oh, that's brilliant. It's movie magic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, the, 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 the near hits and misses, I, I was able to contribute sparingly to, you know, making it less bad <laughs> but honestly you know it was it was of its piece it was it was trying to cash in on all the action movies of the uh, 80s and if you were to look at lethal weapon or any of those other movies and then imagine them with a hundred thousand dollar budget in one take only for each line of dialogue you might not have much difference from what you got with shotgun. Yeah, we could when we we were watching it and we could pick up on a few big similarities but like you said between shotgun and lethal weapon series and that. Yeah. Can definitely relate to that. Yeah, until I go out to my Freddie Mercury look alike. <laughs> <laughs> and then we switch over to, you know, bad backs and just really They were so proud of that car. <laughs> That was such a good car. Yeah. Let's say with having a flamethrower, a tank turret, and a machine gun. That's, yep. that's really making sure of it. I'm sure that, that car saw more movie work than I did. I don't know where they got that from, but I think that was its inaugural. 
Uh, is there anything else you'd like to cover about Shotgun before we move on? Either you, Stuart, or if you've got any other questions, Tom? No, no, I haven't got anything. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about Shotgun. <laughs> it's just... Uh, it, it's been... My wife is so thrilled that you guys have contacted me. She uh, is just... Uh, over the moon, moon with pleasure that <laughs> this thing has fans. Uh, it's quite unexpected. Uh, it's 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 sort of like yeah, very much my earlier reference to it's not a rash. Uh, she's seen it once. <laughs> we got married. I, you, you started in the movie. Can I see it? Okay, once. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't know about you, Tom, but this is this is kind of surreal for me because we're talking shotgun, and in my ears I have the voice of Ian Shotgun Jones as well, which is yeah, it it's kind of weird. It is incredibly, <laughs> but so exciting too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys have got to get out more often. <laughs> beautiful real world of parks and girls. <laughs> I think it's sunny outside. I'm not sure. Yes. <laughs> I heard rumour there was something else. But was nice, but... <laughs> really, that basement has got to be pretty dank by this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my place. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm going to move you. What I'm doing? I'm just. I'm going through. Well, I, I mentioned it on the podcast though. There's not a lot about you on the on like even on your IMDb page. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't a great deal um, because above Shotgun we go into 1991 then and the Wizards of the Demon Sword mm. which I haven't seen I haven't seen that so no, you you ha- it's Lyle that? Wagoner from the uh, the Carol Burnett show as a bad guy in a, a Roger Corman 10 day production Roger Corman came by the set and it was uh, I think it was directed by Fred Olin Ray um, that you guys would know but nobody else would Uh <laughs> Fred Owen Ray did about 600 softcore movies, and uh, his attitude of movie making was to do it in order. <laughs> Move the camera over here. Okay, now that shot's done. Move the camera over here. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> in terms of master shots. Just, you know, as soon as I got it, it's, it's in the can and it's done. And I did some fight scenes on that, and that was it. And I really didn't want to have the credit. I wanted to pull a Rivington, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a bunch of movies that you guys have never heard of. Uh, Gypsy, I know, isn't on there. And uh, (laughs) the evil cattle baron that that I was in Gypsy. (laughs) I'm intrigued already with that one. We get get to the set, and uh, I have to do a, a... extensive talking gypsy comes to sell a horse and i refuse to pay his price and gypsy gets in a fight with all of my men and then he and i get in a bullwhip fight uh in which i thrash him about and then he you know gypsy was really a, a bodybuilder this uh, a latino bodybuilder who was trying to propose as a uh, either i think indian <clears throat> why he's called gypsy i don't know and uh we get to the set and there's no sound equipment and I said, and they walk up to me and said, uh, tell me what you're going to say so we can dub it later. And I said, well, where's the script? And he said, no, 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 tell me what you're going to say. That will be the script. (laughs) 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 So Shotgun actually had some 
veneer of professionalism <laughs> attached to it compared to all these others. We need. We definitely need a definitive list of of the films no, that you've don't. been in. Yeah, oh yes, we do. Oh, we do. <laughs> I, I am I am I'm hardened that you went and saw Deadlock, that <laughs> odd little thing. Yeah, let's get you tell us all about that. Let's get on to Deadlock. Alright. Uh Deadlock was uh there was I don't even remember his name. There was a fellow who uh was making really cheap direct to video on video movies and he paid me seven hundred and fifty dollars to write one and uh, wrote it in about two, three weeks, and it got made, and and I went, and that bought my Uriel ticket to go around Europe for three months, and I had a blast. <laughs> and years later, when I just met Vanessa, and just was, uh, we were just married, uh, I told her about this, and she said, well, go back and write another one. And I went back, and I said, well, here we go, and then he said, yeah, you're right, uh, you, know, you, you know, this is a little... The, the, he was the guy that should have played Joey. He was this this fat <laughs> pustule of a man in an office. <clears throat> so, all right, you got um, you want to you want to direct this one? Sure. Uh, what's it pay? Uh, Four thousand dollars. Wow, is that for the direct? No, 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 write and direct. Oh, okay. Four thousand dollars. I, I sure. Uh, what do you need? Uh, erotic horror. I need to have lots of, uh, you know, every every five minute pages, you got to have somebody take their clothes off <laughs> and stab them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what's the budget? No, four thousand dollars. We we lend you the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I got a friend up in the valley who's got uh, the jacuzzi that you can do for the coven uh, witch scenes where they get in the jacuzzi and then they stab them. And he'll let us put food coloring in his jacuzzi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'll need a bath just to even think about that. Um, That's really, really shoddy. Um, And I went home and told Vanessa about this, and she said, well, that's not a lot, and that's the whole budget, and what do you get to keep? And I said, well, you get to keep the $4,000, because he says you don't pay anybody, not the actors, anything. And she said, make him double it. And I went back, and I said, 8000 I said, oh, all right, you're worth it, you're quality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So I started to write erotic horror, <laughs> and I couldn't take it too terribly seriously, and I was determined to avoid his friend's uh, herpes bath. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I decided I'd do it in, in my own home and there's nothing particularly erotic or horrifying about my home and so I made that the, <laughs> I made that about the picture because that, that is true I had one door that if you open it it would close by itself that's the closest thing I've got to scary <laughs> so I made the movie about uh, a, a door that if you o- jiggle it the wrong way it opens to the wrong place and uh I had just been through my universal ordeal, which I'll tell you about in a second because it does tie in. And uh, I wrote this thing and I put the script away uh, because I looked at it and I said, no, you probably need um, about $50,000 to make this movie because the special effects I put in it. What is it, an epic? <laughs> <laughs> and we just let it lie. Uh, Later, at a dinner, I met a rich gentleman who said, 
you know, you seem to know what you're doing and you, you haven't uh, had any luck. He was half right. And uh, <laughs> how much would it cost to make a movie? And I quoted him fifty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000. And he said, fine, I'll give you the money. Don't say who I am. And uh, don't ever ask for any more. And I said, did I say $50,000? <laughs> and I had two scripts at the time. The other was called Cutthroat, which was uh, optioned up and down the block. Uh, and at that time, it had gone to Universal. And uh, their option was for $150,000 to me alone if, I had, you know, if they had paid for the movie. And they kept you know, rewriting it. But the, before they rewrote it, they, they took it to me and they asked if I would make one small change. And they said, what do you like? And they said, we want to make the girl one of the villains. Uh, the girl that hits him by accident with the car that goes with them and he protects her and saves her life for the rest of the movie. Yeah, her. <laughs> she kills some of the villains, doesn't she? Do you want me to change it? No, no, no. Keep that. <laughs> Why would she kill her own friend? To get his trust so that the ending's more of a surprise. <laughs> Listen, if, if she's one of the villains and she wants to kill him, when she hits him with the car, why don't I just have her back up? We can end the movie on page 35. <laughs> yeah. You don't get the business. Now, the guy who told me this was this pipsqueak of a fellow named Kerry Granite, who went on to become the president of Dimension Pictures. And he's responsible for uh, Kevin Williamson writing the sp scene in uh, Scream because his objection to Scream was there's no motive. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And so Williamson wrote a, a, uh, a speech in the movie which says essentially there doesn't have to be a mo motive. It doesn't have to make sense, you putz. <laughs> he was writing that to Cary Granite. But it got <laughs> And he was apparently very polite in meetings. I, at the meeting, I asked Cary Granite if he had ever guest starred in the Flintstones. <laughs> he, but I didn't mean to be mean. Uh, <laughs> just popped out. Like I said, I schmooze well. So I had these two scripts uh, on, on my shelf, uh, Cutthroat, which is all exterior woods day, very cheap, and lots of sword fight. And uh, deadlock, and uh, asked my brother about it, and he said, you know, make all the mistakes on one on the deadlock, and then you can make the other one because you know you could make a good movie. And he was half right; I did make all the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> we we in, we intended to get our money back, um, and we had Germany uh, committed to getting us more than our money back. Um, because we shot on film Super 16, and they only took Super 16 in those days, very uh, insistent. But when we transferred the cut uh, to the machine, the technician took a uh, coffee, a cigarette break on the 19th B reel, the very last seven minutes. And uh, there was a dogleg price in which meant that the film was just a little off-center, and it got jammed in the machine, and rather than stop, it chewed through seven minutes of uh, oh, no. sprocket holes in the center of the film. And the film oh. was just ruined. And uh, that's nine, you know, that was it. That was the budget. Germany pulled out. And uh, I had to fix it on DVD from my work print 
video, you know, the cheapy little home video video. Yeah. We did our best with that movie. I mean, it, you know, for what it was, for the budget it had, there was a lot of smoking videos, a lot of puppetry tricks. Um, and it was, as, it was as cheap and as fun as I could get. Um, because, again, when I started writing erotic horror, I don't like violence to women. And uh, I tried to avoid some of the, the uh, conventions by just it, – it turned out to be sort of like if Tom Stoppard had bothered to try and write Able Dead in an afternoon – <laughs> and somebody actually viewed it using exactly that term you know oh, really? <laughs> evil dead is written by tom stoppard it's kind of fun uh, but it you know it's, it's impossible to market because you know is it it's not funny enough to be a complete comedy and it's not scary enough at all to be a horror movie um what is it <laughs> well, that's exactly what it was so it did not make its money back. And uh, at about that point, my wife and I decided that we were better at producing babies. And we, <laughs> our, that, that house was my house and very cozy. And we used every square inch of it. But uh, it wasn't cozy. It was cozy for two, but not cozy for four. So we moved to Virginia. Uh-huh. Which is where you still are, isn't it, as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then you... Oh, what, Deadlock was 97, so... 87. 80, 87? Oh, 97, 97, you are correct, 97. Yeah, because then it's got... On, well, on IMDb anyway, it's got uh, The Hunted. We found, out, you... we found out we got the money the same night that we found out that Vanessa was pregnant, so we... Uh, she's oh, got wow. a... That's a baby bump when she does her big song. My <laughs> wife wanted to be... Uh, she can sing, but she never wanted to act, and so she said, could I could I please do something in your movie? Could I be a Shirley Bassey and be a disembodied voice? And you never say disembodied to somebody who's writing a horror script really quick. (laughs) So she ends up the singing severed head in the sink. And she does a marvelous job with it. (laughs) Walks away with it. But there was no ad-libbing on that picture. It was just what we shot. And and it it came out okay. Except that we had a, um, a cameraman who was afraid of people. (laughs) <laughs> oh. we got the cameraman as part of a package deal and uh i'd say i need a close-up oh yeah i can see him and you know you'd get a cowboy which means that you would you would have a shot from the the, the mid leg to the top of the head and you're looking for a close-up and parts of the problem with that film is that it feels too distant to be funny it's too remote mm. what do you prefer <laughs> do you prefer of the two things that you did in the past, say, with Shotgun and, and Deadlock, then, would you prefer to be acting or directing? Uh, I should like to make a movie. I, I should like to direct a film that worked. <laughs> 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 Bits of Deadlock worked pretty nicely. Um, but I, uh, I, I, Shotgun was the fluke that it was. It was uh, definitely intended to be uh, uh whatever Addison needed it to be. He needed it to make money and, and go to South America, and it did. I would like to have uh, another shot at doing what John Sayles does so well. And, it, you know, he will write a film and edit the film, and he acts in the film because he knows that it's one less mouth to feed, mm-hmm. which, was, which was my excuse on, on Deadlock. It was supposed to be a vehicle for my brother, who was a uh, uh, special effects wizard and... Uh, uh, swordsman and and uh, it was written for him you know we played brothers in the movie but he had to go to Jordan to be in a Sinbad movie 
at the time, and uh, we tried to be good sports about it and took him out to a uh, performance at the um, uh, open-air Shakespeare, and uh, halfway through the first act, my wife leans over and says, that guy looks like he could be your brother. (laughs) (laughs) And we approach him at intermission or after the show and say, you know, uh, we'd like you to think about, you know, coming out and reading to be m- my brother in a movie. And he thought, well, my brother would be, <laughs> you know, gee, Tom, how come you're such a hit with the ladies? And uh, he gets the lead. And he, was, he was very pleased with it. Nice guy, Aaron. Have we got, what, what's the Hunted, the TV series, your last credit on IMDb in 2001? <laughs> you you did uh, two episodes that, in that one. Yeah, well, that's my brother's uh, web-based series. He's just now made a feature film that he uh, financed through Kickstarter for $20,000. And uh, it's it's essentially Cops meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's supposed to be in-camera versions of former actors fighting vampires. And... Uh, my brother asked me to resurrect a Halbert fight that he and I did, and we ad-libbed a, a rip-off of the Monty Python scene. There's really not much else to it. It's about seven minutes long, and, and I did a few of those episodes. Um, because, again, I was asked to. Yeah. I was, you know, but most of the time, people have asked me to act, and very few at least have, had the, uh, were, have been impolite enough to suggest that that was a mistake. <laughs> so would you would you like to get back in front of the camera i enjoyed Give it i had a i had a you know all the people who who bitch about it i think are are, are being very self-serving and uh no i i had a i had a good time um i i just like i wish i'd like to do some work that i would be very proud of as opposed to yeah, okay. I'm resigned to it. <laughs> it oh, is I think you it... should be proud. Definitely proud of... Well, shot, I've seen Shotgun, obviously, and Deadlock as well. Yeah. Would, yeah. Shotgun, Shotgun was, Shotgun was uh, essentially just Addison's words, the way Addison wanted them. Um, you know, and, and I think that I only did him a disservice, on a major disservice on one big scene. Uh, for the most part, it's just a very straightforward telling of these incredibly convoluted and cliche lines. <laughs> Shotgun 2, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> After seven surgeries for cancer, I don't think... You know what? Well, it would probably just be as much of a laugh riot. <laughs> Running it's... around with an ostomy bag after the... bad guys, I don't think that's exactly... Oh. No. Uh, if so it, don't please, please. By the way, do not feel sorry for me. I only look for sympathy when I'm, you know, pulled over for well, speeding. Well, no, I think for listeners, for listeners that that are not aware, I think you should, uh, should get them up to speed because you haven't been in in the best of health for a while. I think that's a, a gross, <clears throat> then, yeah, a gross about, understatement too. But well, you know, uh, like I said, I had to fix uh, deadlock, and when I fixed deadlock, I had to work from. Uh, I found a guy who would give me a flat rate at a special effects machine. But I had to work when he went home, if he deigned to go home, which wouldn't be before midnight. And I had to get out of there when he woke up and came in, which would be about noon. I had a full-time job starting at 2 to 11. Uh, You know, it was 2 to 11 shift. So I didn't get a lot of sleep. And I spent a lot of time fixing that movie 
with 3 a.m. cheeseburgers from Wendy's, and I put on you know 40 pounds in a, about two months. Fixed the movie, sold it so that it made some money, but enough to for the to give some back to the investors, but nothing for ourselves. Uh, and uh, nine years later, uh, I suddenly have difficulty. Uh, relieving myself and I read about this that's constipation and no it's not your stomach's tight as a drum and it was uh, it was uh, colon cancer and uh, went to the emergency room passed out and I wake up on a gurney with the uh, ceiling tiles flying by me and this cute little old Virginia uh, candy striper leans over and says you know we're here in this situations that it really helps if you have something to live for, what you got to live for, honey? <laughs> and I thought, who trained you? <laughs> <laughs> what I said was, I, I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. Oh, that is so perfect. When's the date? And I said, how the hell should I know? She's six years old. This ain't West Virginia. Do it right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, more or less, they it. Uh, it's come back and back and back, and I've got what is called KRAS mutant. It's, it's environmental. It probably came from my movie career. Seriously, oh, uh, uh, but it's okay. I mean, you you have to find a, a good um, way to look at it. Uh, uh, you know, it's certainly not fun to have an ostomy bag, but I don't carry it. Call it a bag because uh, it's not really masculine. I, I like to call it my fecal man purse. <laughs> it's hell to accessorize. You can get shoes to match. <laughs> but I've been dealing with this for six years, and they keep doing. I keep a blog about it at the Caring Bridge, uh, CaringBridge.org, for your viewers who, like yourselves, stay in a basement and never come out to exercise. <laughs> We should check into this because it's wonderful to to keep up with people who have got uh, long-term progressive disease. And uh, I've been writing just essentially the jokes about cancer, and it's been coming back and giving me uh, opportunities to write about very silly things that have happened. The last surgery was something called HIPEC, which is <clears throat> one of my doctors called it witchcrafty. Uh, they open you up, they take out everything that looks like cancer, and then they sew you up and leave tubes in, into which they pump heated chemotherapy directly onto your organs, and they slosh you on the table for 90 minutes, and then drain out the chemotherapy, if you survive that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite an ordeal, 17 hours operation, so... Uh, of all the things that my wife's got to worry about, shotgun's probably the least of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have something else that's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Takes greater prominence in your life than shotgun. <laughs> Let's see, well, if there's anything you'd like us to put a link up to on our webpage, um, you know, obviously we'll we'll put it on there for and link it into this episode too. You know, with the, the caring bridge <laughs> and anything else. Um, no, uh, you guys are brilliant. I love what you guys are doing. It is just so much fun. 
Uh, Lloyd Kaufman loved uh, Deadlock and wanted to buy it, uh, and I saw that you you talked to him. Mm-hmm. What a balloon he is! <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 difficult. Uh, William Goldman says that uh, in Hollywood, it's not the question of why are there so many bad movies, but why are there any good ones made at all? <laughs> with all the compromises, with all the uh, problems that you have in getting a script from, from one end of uh, the, from the typewriter to the audience is just amazing. And, uh, you know, Addison found a way around that by going really fast you know, he didn't get them a chance to think about how awful this might be. <laughs> <laughs> Just, here's a script. It's a cop on the run, a cop who's revenging his sister's death. Good. Great. We'll make it. You know, L.A. Heat and get the guy from Welcome Back, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they were making these all at about the same time, uh, all overlap. So everybody kept busy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I think at one point they did ask me if I wanted to be in any others, and I said okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I'm good. No, but for entertainment, it, though, that's what I want from a movie. Is if I can just sit down for a couple of hours, and yeah, forget about everything else, and just be just entertained, uh, which mm-hmm. is what Shotgun does, and the, you know the rest of the oh yeah the PM movies are fantastic for it. Oh yeah. No, 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 and and that's that's what they were set out to do. Maybe not quite that way, but yes. yeah, <laughs> they've achieved the goal anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. Took a, I'm a little jealous of Shotgun, but because there's not a Deadlock fan club, because it's, <laughs> it was too sincerely trying to be <laughs> a good movie. <laughs> Uh, so so it's it's uh, it's fun that Shotgun's the one that's getting the attention, you know. And then I get offers occasionally from the, there's a place called the Alamo Draft House, which will show really really good movies and bring the cast. They'll they'll screen The Hobbit and get the, all the cast to come out to Texas. And they'll also show the really really bad movies. They'll you know they'll screen Troll Two and get everybody to go there. <laughs> and they've called me up on New Year's Eve and asked if I would go. <laughs> <laughs> and you teach as well you've, you've got students haven't you oh yes yes I became a public school teacher for the longest time and uh, my mom was a public school teacher and I became a public school teacher and I taught uh, uh, all the elective classes and uh, creative writing and, and so on and uh, my way of writing uh, teaching say playwriting is very easy the first assignment is uh since you're high school students, the um, one thing you write very well are excuse notes. So I teach you to write an excuse note, and uh, to make it interesting, I need it to be to God. Uh-huh. And I want you to write it from the perspective of either Adam or Eve or the talking snake. And uh, they'll write these things, these great buck-passing notes, very quickly. And uh, the next assignment, before I give them a chance to think about it, is, uh, all right, now... God got the note, and he wants to talk to you about it. <laughs> Being a very busy deity, he's got a golden uh, tape recorder on his desk. I need you to transcribe exactly what was said in the meeting. And they write that down, and we read it the next day. And I said, well, I promise to teach you everything I need, you need to know about playwriting, and you know it. Because the first, the first assignment teaches you conflict, and the second assignment teaches you dialogue. 
and that's all the play is. Uh huh. That's very good. Yeah, and uh, I tended to get fired a lot as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would do very loony things, but um, it was it was memorable and, and enjoyable by the students, but maybe less so by the administration. <laughs> Were any of the students aware of uh, your acting history? Oh, I would put clips of Shotgun into my PowerPoints. That would certainly liven up the day. <laughs> <laughs> or I would put, uh, you know, I, I was on, a, again, same girlfriend. I think the reason she, she uh, one of the reasons she dumped me is that I she wanted to be an actress. She never got a leading part in anything. And she wanted to be on game shows to finance her career. And I went on a game show once. And I won about, uh, in your terms, about seventeen, eighteen thousand pounds in a day. Wow! And uh, the show was uh, classic concentration, and so I'd, I'd use that as PowerPoint too about you know we're going to play a Jeopardy game with Alex Trebek and you know on on the Odyssey, but I would interject little video clips of me you know playing this game with Alex Trebek and ending up winning a car. <clears throat> rather cheap car but (laughs) (laughs) um the 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 thing about uh, shotgun was that was just very businesslike you couldn't really chat up anybody else um you know because you'd meet all these women for the first time and they were all covered with fake bruises and they had their shirts off (laughs) you (laughs) don't know what to say um the crew did. The crew had a, a difficult time. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to chat everybody up. And the actors were talking in hushed whispers about their careers. And I didn't have a career. And I wasn't union. And they hated me for it, the other actors. You know, just, <laughs> we're hiding and you're not. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> and it was interesting, though, because when I did Deadlock, because Deadlock was, again, uh, uh, breasts and blood. And I got... You know, I thought, well, she's shotgun made its money back. This thing should. <laughs> and my wife was, uh, you know, we, we'd have a bath together at the end of the day shooting because we kept our shoots to, you know, a, a, a decent time. And we would, you know, all get to have a bath every night and go to sleep for the next day shooting. Um, she'd say, gosh, doesn't she have beautiful breasts? Who does? <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Had to arrange them to get them off the, the frame, but yeah, that was fine. <laughs> and the next day, the crew would assemble at my house, and they would all be very mad or or giving me the, the the look. They weren't mad at me particularly. It's just that the dream for most of these guys was to write a script and then have people come and take their clothes off in their house. <laughs> <laughs> But their wives or significant others wouldn't let them. <laughs> and they were very upset that my wife and I had a side of relationship that we were just trying to make a movie. <laughs> and it wasn't that big a deal. Which Deadlock's really hard to get hold of on DVD, too. It's a tricky um, one to track down. What did you think of it? What did you get out of that movie at all? Oh, I loved it. I mean, it's a, a totally different movie, obviously, to Shotgun. Um, but I did, I did do some reading up on it first. So I, I was, uh, I knew the storyline and everything of it, and I was, uh, I was expecting the severed head and all of this. I think, and I knew where it was filmed. 
Um, I forget right. there was there was a little review of it on a website somewhere, and um, oh yeah, it's say if you want to buy it, I was looking. I, I think a lot of places it's like seven hundred odd dollars to buy. What? Yeah. Um, That's insane. In fact, I've still got a link somewhere. Is CD Universe? Um, here you go. Two new seven hundred and fifty-six dollars. <laughs> send me that link. I should like to think that it's that valuable to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that poor thing. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's swapping money for it's swapping hands for big money in a few places. I mean, I tracked yeah. it down. I had to send away to America for it. Um, and shotgun is three for five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> What a stocking stuffer. <laughs> oh, that's going to happen at Christmas. Everyone's getting a copy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good Christmas present now. <laughs> the gift Say that keeps on giving. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, you watched... Did you get to watch Deadlock the other day, Tom? Yes, yeah. I watched it uh, a couple of days ago. Um, I... For like you said, uh, Stuart, for the for the budget for what it was, I I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it was yeah, a laugh. The, the difference is exactly it in, it intended to be a laugh, <laughs> which just makes it not quite as funny as Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, well, granted. <laughs> and it was the fact that you were in it, Stuart, as well, because obviously you know we we love Shotgun so much, so we yep yep we, we got this, and it was just a blast to see you in something else as well. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was fun. It was again a very short shoot. I think we had fourteen days for that one, but and uh, and we had a neighbor who was not terribly pleased with us uh, <laughs> doing this stuff in our house because we actually had the film equipment. We just couldn't actually use it to get close to the actors. <laughs> <laughs> but my uh, my my neighbor owed me a bit of money, so um, in order to get him to uh, relieve the debt, I wrote the part of the. Uh, <clears throat> the hypnotherapist, the fire-breathing, juggling hypnotherapist for him, and uh, <laughs> that was him in the movie. He did fine, you know. It was it was, it was just a goofy little movie that uh, sort of almost worked. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you got to make it, though. It's more than most people get yes. to do. Yeah, my wife, my wife keeps reminding me of that when I put it down. <laughs> <laughs> But that's almost like going to, to, to make this full circle. It's um, <laughs> it's 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 like telling the Earl of Oxford, at least you kept the the Queen's attention for seventeen years. We have quite forgot the fart. I think reappears. Listen, it's a pleasure talking to you guys. If you have any other questions, or <laughs> God, why would you? <laughs> have you got anything, Tom? I think it's like you, Tom. I'm sure that when the call finishes, we're going to go. Oh yes, why didn't we ask that? Yeah. If you I'm have thinking. any of this, the spirit of the stairwell, go right ahead and call me back. That's fine. I'm... Oh, that's very kind. I and mean, I think we should take this opportunity to, you know, thank you for taking the time to to come on here and talk to us. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. 
thank you. I've I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it, it is nice that you 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 do something that gets seen for whatever reason. It's you know it's a bit better than the Zabruder tapes, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It is, it is definitely of its place in, in time and in, in that that uh, kind of really cheap, you know, quick and dirty. It's the grindhouse of the of the video era, mm-hmm. you know, when they tried so hard to to make movies that would just sell something. You know, I I, I will invest a hundred thousand dollars in order to get a hundred eighty thousand dollars back. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's exactly what it was. It was you know the the, the, the grindhouse is, is endearing to us because it is so grainy, so chopped to hell. But these were essentially the same movies. If you were to run this through uh, the same sort of uh, processing wear and tear that uh, any of the others, you you could probably sell it to Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we got our competition too to win shotgun on dvd and signed by your good self as well i've never that's that'll be a first i've not signed a copy of the dvd although my wife very teasingly asked the other night would you sign mine too (laughs) (laughs) oh so you'll have to give me the right quote by the way that you want to have it signed with (laughs) definitely well we've got i know i I popped them in the post to you so you got as well uh you've got the the one for the competition so whoever wins that will get you to personally sign that too. Of which, if we said you don't mind if you would uh, judge the competition for us. Oh, sure, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, well, you, but you have to give me the right quote. The the um, uh, when we worked with uh, Tim Curry, he the only uh, met uh, Tim Curry would sign the album from Rocky Horror with one from the Crips, which is uh, very classy. So good luck finding something classy for me to sign. <laughs> I'm sure it will involve the word, the word basher somewhere along the lines. <laughs> Great work. You know, and, and, and it, that one did not occur to me during the performance. It was just... Uh, right. We'll, we'll call this one a day. Um and again, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we both wish you a speedy recovery. Um, well, just actually, it's there's no way to recover from it. It's terrible, yeah. but um, as as much life as can well, be packed in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We wish you all the very best. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. No. Thank you, guys, very much. And it's it. This is certainly a. Uh, as you say that uh, you know, it's great that you could actually make a film, no matter of what quality. Uh, it, it's great to be. It's great to have people, you know, enjoy something like this, no matter of what quality. <laughs> and uh, it's been a real delight talking to you, young man. Oh yeah, you too. It's been fantastic. Yeah. Cheers. Right after that great chat with Stuart Chapin, here are the contact details that you can reach us on to enter this competition. To win shotgun signed on DVD. Now we should say that this is the first time Stuart will ever be signing a copy of Shotgun. It's never happened before. He's doing himself a copy, he's doing Dave a copy, and he'll be doing it the winner a copy. Personalised, of course, whatever you want him to say, he'll put within reason, I guess. Uh so yeah, these are the contact details. Obviously, our website is www.80spicturehouse.co.uk. At the top of that page is a contact us box, which is our email. You can enter via that. Our email address is contact at 80spicturehouse.co.uk. Of course, on the post on the website, you can also enter on there. 
You can enter on our Facebook by commenting or putting a wall post or what have you, which is facebook.com forward slash 80s picture house. And you can tweet us your entries at 80s picture house. I think that's everything. And um, if you want to leave us an iTunes review after hearing that, and you, you should, because I think that's one of the best ones we've done so far. Do find us on iTunes at 80s picture house and leave us a good review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, a very enjoyable one to say the very least. Oh, yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Right. Well, the next episode is going to be with the guest host. uh, So watch out for that. And um, we'll be back very soon. Sure. The... uh, if you do put a li- if you throw a link together, the uh, link is to uh, uh, something called caringbridge dot uh, mm-hmm. org, uh, and you have to do forward slash visit Stuart Chapin S T U A R T C H A P I N. Okay. Um, and it's it it's sort of a, a interesting sort of tragic comedy about uh, you know what I'm going through without I I decided long ago if I'm going to write this I'm going to write it like a war correspondent. Yeah. Because uh, nobody you know, plans on getting it, but they're, they're very solemn about it. And, and people who, people tend to leave cancer patients alone because they expect that they want to be, uh, you know, quiet in their misery. And that only leads to loneliness, depression, and and misinformation. So I try to give up as much information as I possibly can, good, bad, or ill. Mm -hmm. And what it's done for me is, uh, uh, the next one will be about a drop in the bucket, called a drop in the bucket. It'll be about the bucket list because uh, it taught me that I, you know, I got into screenwriting because I thought I wasn't good enough to be a straight writer, meaning that I write straight fiction, write, you know, without the buffer to an audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, people responded so well to the caring bridges that um, in a bizarre way, cancer has given me, uh, now that I'm on disability, the... Uh, the go-ahead or the permission to write a book. So I'm about uh, two weeks away from finishing my first novel. My, wow. uh, uh, and I hope that it'd be one that Shotgun himself would read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they say if there's anything that we can help to promote, um, by all means, just get in touch with us at, at any time. Of course we will. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Absolutely. I'd be, lo- I'd be glad to. And again, if you have any, uh, any questions about the production, um, I don't really no I, I i don't have any uh apologies to make <laughs> I <should probably. laughs> uh but i was just you know there's the script go and say these words and uh try to do the best that you can uh i did clear with addison the one line i hated what she did max because but i loved who she was because there was about another page of going on about his sister kicking and biting policemen <laughs> and I just said can we wrap this up <laughs> uh, so I was the only one to argue for making my part have less lines and I put it as elegantly as I could by saying we get the idea don't we <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you've given us so much pleasure with that film, Stuart, that you have. And the, the, we've, I've told so many, and like since you've watched it, Tom, you've been telling everybody and showing people too 
and and seriously with with not a word of a lie everybody that's seen it just loves it they just love the film yeah but i'm sure it's like the actors in the teletubbies saying this is supposed to be for children (laughs) (laughs) yeah no wonder barney the barney the 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 dinosaur was busted for smoking pot Like I said, if I did not know <laughs> the movie, I would want to see it. So you are luring people into very, very, very bad and dangerous things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've been forewarned. I, yes, they, they, I'm trying to warn. I warn you now. Whatever you guys recommend in the future, don't do it. Don't go into the light. <laughs> All Another it's... 80s reference. <laughs> <laughs> you're, starting to, you're starting to sound a little bit like Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. Oh, that's made my day now. <laughs> he, and I, he and I actually got thrown out of a play by the same director once. Uh, not at the same time, of course. Uh, and at the time, his, as a young man, uh, Sylvester was known as Mike. And uh, the director, uh, Bob Levin, who talked like Stallone would eventually talk, (laughs) couldn't get him to understand the difference between stage right and stage left, so he tied a rock to one of his shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, go to the rock! (laughs) Somebody threw a chair at somebody, and and Stallone got thrown out of a play. (laughs) Not a play. (laughs) What we've tended to do is try and pick... um, Something a bit out of the ordinary that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of. Um, yeah. And then some, yeah. sometimes it, it works, like it did with Shotgun. Sometimes it doesn't, and, you know. But... Everything else you've picked. <laughs> I know, I seem to have a reputation for not picking the good ones, but... The stuff I've had to watch. <laughs> I've redeemed myself. Well, you picked Shotgun, so there's that. <laughs> right, that's it. <laughs> no, Thank I, you. <laughs> I've, I've definitely redeemed myself with Tom for picking Shotgun. Oh, nice nice save. Nice save, sir. Oh. Well, well played. <laughs> um, I don't know if, if we dare ask you this, Stuart, because it is being very, very self-indulgent, and we've never asked this of any of the in-conversation oh, with guests, guests that we've had, but because, because we love you so much and the character of Shotgun Jones... <laughs> We we did talk about we did talk about this, and I I was debating whether to ask you or not. But I thought no, I need to ask you because you sound like a fun guy. Um, we did talk about we'd like we'd like you to say something that we could use as a as a text alert, in the style of Shotgun Jones. <laughs> what do you need? Um, well, that's the, <laughs> that that's the thing. I wasn't quite sure of Tom. <laughs> Would you like a personal one? Would you like, you know, Shotgun Jones to say your name, Tom, and then do one for me that we have a text alert? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> so, uh, Stuart, I'm so I'm really sorry about this, but I, I had now, to ask uh, you. Excuse because... me, because I'm not terribly technical. What is the text alert referring to? It's, it's your it, phone will ring, and yeah, and, or, it's, or it will... yeah, it's like when when I get a text, I can assign any anything to it that it will play anything i put into the phone when i get a text so okay you know so if for example it was all right i got it i got it i got it okay do you like to go by dave or david uh dave Dave. 
right? Let's see. Dave, this is Shotgun. Be careful. You got a text, but it's from the Basher. Oh my god, I am so excited with that. Now. <laughs> I think that that should be shortened. Can I try that again? Of course you can. See, wow, this is this is different than the production. I get two takes. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, this is Shotgun. You got a text from the Basher. Oh. Oh. I <laughs> I'm speechless. Not good for a podcast, but I am speechless. Tom, you want anything? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> what? Uh, or just you want your two front teeth for Christmas? <laughs> what can I do for you? Anything? Do you want the same, but with Tom at the front, Tom? Yeah, that would be fine. <laughs> All right. That'd be amazing. Ah. Tom, this is Shotgun. You got a text from the basher. <laughs> superb. Absolutely superb. <laughs> Thank you for indulging us with that, Stuart. That is just so great. <laughs> oh, I know. I I know what's going to go on. <laughs> it's going to go on the end of this week's episode. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>